Thanks, Robert. On this 19th episode of the International Baseball Community Podcast, I sit down with Austin Weymouth. Austin tells us about his journey from German Second Division baseball all the way up to the Dutch Major League all within one year. This interview is jam-packed with a ton of info about playing baseball in Europe. Austin takes us through his experience playing for a small town club in Germany all the way up to playing uh, on the major, on probably the biggest European stage uh, in the Dutch Major League. He also takes us through his interesting story about how he went about selecting a club as he had a number of offers when he first came over to Europe. And uh, we also dive into some visa requirements that uh, come along with playing baseball in Europe and uh, some of the difficulties that uh, that are presented in recent uh, in the recent year in the Dutch Major League as far as visa requirements are concerned. Uh, Austin also dives into the lifestyle. He paints quite a vivid picture of, of what it's like playing baseball in Europe, in Germany specifically, and uh, also in the Dutch Major League. So without further ado, let's get on with this long interview. It's quite a long one, but it's jam-packed full of info, and I, if you're looking to take your career over to Europe, I think this is one of the best episodes to date to listen to. So let's get on with this interview ASAP. <laughs> Powered by Middle Punk Media, your sports marketing agency. We put sports center stage. Austin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. Uh, maybe uh, you can we can start off with you telling us a little bit about your your background in baseball and then how it led to uh, you know a career in in Europe so far. Um, so I, uh, I did the high school route. I, uh, kind of was a late bloomer. Didn't, didn't get signed early. Had a great senior year. Um, was recruited by Arizona State, a few other big schools. Um, I actually, I ended up going to ASU in the fall of 06. Um, went through the whole fall, was there. Uh, my team ended up going to the World Series. I just didn't play a lot. So I ended up, uh, transferring to JUCO. So I did two years, uh, right down the street, um, from ASU at Scottsdale Community College. Had a great uh, career there and ended up at University of Massachusetts, a D1 on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of, you know, I really thought I was going to get picked up. You know, everybody has their sob story of why they didn't get, you know, signed, drafted, whatever. Yeah. Mine is it just didn't happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got surgery during that season, kind of towards the end of the season, and so I didn't get picked up. And uh, my old coach at Arizona State was Pat Murphy, and he uh, was the Dutch national team coach at one point. Uh-huh. And I talked to him kind of about what I should do, and I wanted to keep playing, and he just said, hey, you know, I have some contacts in Europe. And it kind of ended up, you know, me reaching out to a few people that had played out there and ended up me playing in uh, in Germany. And then kind of, you know, after that, kind of moved on to the Netherlands and then uh, and then Belgium. So that's kind of a quick synopsis of how I ended up out there. Okay. And, uh, you, you know, so now you've ended up in the Dutch Major League with uh, UVV. Maybe uh, let's start there. Let's talk about how long have you been there, first of all? Okay, so I played uh, – Two seasons in Holland. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'd say, well, almost two seasons. Almost two seasons in Holland, yeah. And it was supposed to be three this year, but I 
uh, had some visa issues, so I ended up playing in uh, Belgium for my, my third European season this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I just kind of by chance ended up, got really lucky getting out there. But uh, as I said, you know, uh, earlier, you know, UVV in Holland is fantastic. Uh, and I'll dive into that as you kind of get kept going with some of your questions here. Yeah, you know, actually, before I get into the questions, what can we touch base on those visa issues a little bit? What, what were the problems? Um, you know, there's a, there's a 90 day rule, which I'm sure you've heard of before with, uh, you know, Americans, I don't know with Canadians it might be a little bit different. Um, but, uh, with Americans, you have a 90 day travel visa and with the Dutch major league becoming more of a professional league, um, and being recognized in Holland as professional, uh, they've really sort of cracked down because, you know, people are paid, you know, under the table and, um, you know, they've seen in years past, a lot of foreigners are there for longer than the three months. Yeah. So the the IRS actually is cracking down, um, the IRS in the Netherlands, yeah. um, it's cracked down. So they've really enforced the 90 day rule. So that's why this year, um, really the amount of Americans has dropped. And this next season that right now I'm hearing that there will be no Americans. And that's really just due to tax purposes. And those visas really are really expensive for the clubs and baseball isn't quite there yet where, you know, it's not like soccer where, you know, they can afford to pay for all those visas. So that really is kind of a quick little, blurb of why but realistically it was just the 90 day rule uh with americans in the scanning zone okay that clears up a lot actually because i have heard quite a few times now over the past few months that you know that the the number of import american imports has decreased a lot uh but as to the reason why uh you know it, it wasn't 100 percent clear so so that that yeah. makes a lot of sense in the door it's not close to our canadians canadians and australians are still looking good to go because they get that one year working holiday yeah, but um, where is that? I don't know where, if that's everywhere. I know in Sweden there's a relationship with Sweden uh, and in Australia. I just don't know if that's throughout Europe or, or, or exactly what. I, I don't know about Europe, but I do know the Netherlands. So I know uh, one guy that just signed um, with, with L&D Amsterdam. He's Australian and it's due to that, that working holiday. From what I'm told, like I said, there have been zero Americans unless they have a Dutch passport. They're married. They have a residence visa yeah. um, in the Dutch league this year. Wow. Okay. That's, that's good info. Thanks. Uh, so wh- why don't we go through your experience with UVV and, and uh, let's, let's start off with on the field. Like how can, are there, what are the major differences that you find between playing uh, with UMass, for example, and, and in the Dutch league? What, what are some of the, the differences that you've noticed over your two and a half years of playing there? Um, I, I would say that, you know, the top, uh, the top thing is the language barrier, but obviously everybody in the Netherlands speaks English. Yeah. But a lot of that league is, you know, uh, Aruba and Curacao players as well. Yeah. Um, so you get a lot of mixed languages, and uh, I'm assuming as you would in Grub in the States. So that's kind of one thing, you know. I mean, a lot of the players may be, you know, they may be Dutch, you know, players, but they're actually from Aruba and Curacao, like I said. And they, they either don't speak English very well, they don't speak Dutch very well. Mm-hmm. So that, that was one thing you know, that was interesting with the the yelling in about three different languages, people yelling, you know, but regardless, it's, it's a heck of an experience. But, um, that was my first big thing was, holy crap. You know, some guys are yelling at me in Dutch, some guys are yelling in English, but, um, but regardless, that was one of the first big experiences that I had. And the playing level, um, I would say the top four teams in, in Holland are by far better than what I played in D1. Yeah. Um, and, and it's hard for me to say that with my Arizona state team, but it's easy for me to say that on my UMass team, yeah. um, playing in Atlantic 10 is much better. Uh, the bottom four, bottom three teams, we were, we were the, the fifth team. We were on the cusp. So I don't, I don't like to associate us with the bottom four, but, um, 
The bottom three, I would say, you know, Juco a little bit better than, you know, an average Juco. Um, but, but definitely, uh, really, really talented, talented players. Some are just really raw because, you know, of the, the lack of experience, you know, compared to what we have in the States. Yeah. Okay. Um, that, that, that's, that's definitely clears it up a little bit there more. Like I, I talked to Chris, but I know you've been there a little bit longer. Metzger, your, your import the lot or your roommate the last year. Um, Let's, why don't we go into Belgium baseball a little bit uh, as well now that we're talking about competitiveness and, and level of baseball. Maybe let's just touch base there for a little bit and then we'll, we'll jump back in for a sec. How was the last year in Belgium? Um, very fun. I'll put that put it that way. It's very fun, a very, very laid back, and it really depends on where you're at as the city and kind of what you expect for you know, you know, conditions and facilities and whatnot. But um, I would say average high school ball. Yeah, uh, and I don't like to say that. You know, there, there's there are a few good teams, and we were what, top two teams. We were in the finals, um, but I would say you know good good high school to average high school, but a lot of beer, um, very friendly, laid back baseball. And if you're looking to have a great time, travel that is definitely a place to be. Um, and the people are extremely friendly. They're so happy to have you. It's incredible. Um, that, that it, it was a heck of an experience. It was a big shock too, coming from the Netherlands, going there. But yeah. uh, you know, it's 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 a big change. But I'd say high school, good high school, was probably the level of baseball there. And, I, I, and like you said, I you know I hear that time and time again as well. These these countries, maybe call them B level countries, or these countries a little at a little lower level of baseball. And uh, especially in these smaller towns, there's more of a family atmosphere and, and uh, you know, maybe the baseball isn't quite as good, but the time that you're having uh, on and off the field is, is pretty good. And it sounds very similar to what, what's going on here in Austria. Uh, 100%. And I, uh, I got to play against an Austrian team in the, in the what was it, the, the qualifier this summer. Oh, um, yeah. It's the Diving Ducks. The Diving Ducks, um, okay. Yeah, where was that, that again? They, that was in Switzerland? The, the we hosted in uh, in Belgium. Oh, okay, yeah, no, that was the Diving Ducks. Yeah, they um those guys were so fun. They were yeah. so cool. And it was very similar to our club. Their club was just like our club in terms of you know the players. I guess I don't know uh you know you've, how you know them, but um it was like you said a very family family like atmosphere, especially around our club. So you're 100 percent correct. Yeah. Uh, so uh, UVV that's located in Utrecht. Is that did I say that right? Yeah, I mean, I, I say Utrecht, but I think to, to pr- pronounce it right, I don't think either one of us are going to get there. Yeah, I, I don't think I am. Uh, so, so maybe I know, I know in in Holland there, it's, everything's pretty in close proximity. But uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit of off the fields. What was the lifestyle like, and and uh, were you able to to venture out and travel a bit? Absolutely. Um, so the, the city, I think it's maybe two hundred fifty thousand people. It's actually a good sized city for Holland. I think it's the fourth biggest city but as for traveling holland it's so easy um everything is close i mean that, that i think that holland is like the size of the county i live in here in the states um so you can take the train pretty much anywhere 30 40 minutes yeah. and you're there so train is easy um as for you know the city itself fantastic city i think it's the the perfect size city because you get all the amenities that you get in amsterdam but it's just not as congested so um, getting across the city, you know, the way we do it, just bike. We bike everywhere. Bike, you know, the bars, bike to the other side of the city, do whatever you had to do, bike to work. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, so that was the easy thing. Everybody in Holland bikes. I'm sure maybe you've heard a few jokes, but um, everybody in Holland has bikes. I think there's like three bikes to every one person in Holland. And if uh, if you're ever visiting, if you see a bum or a uh, homeless person, just tell him you got 10, 10 euros, he'll find you a bike. Oh, yeah. uh, so that's, uh, that's, like I said, that's three to one bike. Right there. <laughs> it's a good tip. Um, especially when visiting rather than taking a – you know, or, or renting a bike, just, just find a bum. They'll find you a bike. I promise. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Utrecht is in the center of the country. And like I said, traveling is extremely easy. Utrecht is right in the middle and it's kind of like the, the transportation hub, if you want to say that. Yeah. And, uh, uh do you want me to touch on the lifestyle? Yeah. Kind of, uh, what Chris and I lived in Chris, Chris and I, so I lived out there uh, in that apartment three seasons, um, three years. And, it's a really, really nice apartment. So we had really, really good sponsors at our club um, who owned apartment, who owned an extra apartment, excuse me, um, pretty close to the center of the city. And a uh, big two-bedroom place, big living room, nice kitchen. So we were really spoiled. Nice. Uh, that from my Germany experience, which was still good, but different level in Holland. Yeah. Um, we had a car. Yeah. Um, we really had everything we needed. And, and our, uh, our, one of our sponsors owned a uh, butcher shop, believe it or not. So we would never really need meat. We would just head over to the shop, give us our – come on back. We, we had a really good, I'll, I'll be honest, really, really good. And uh, we were, like I said, maybe five, ten minutes from the center of the city. So it was absolutely fantastic. And everybody there speaks English. It was a college city. It's, it was kind of like a dream come true in terms of landing there. Yeah. That, that sounds excellent. Yeah, it's, it's actually very similar to, to the import house here in, in Austria with the athletics, um, which is my house. <laughs> I, I – I, I, recently moved into a much bigger place and uh so the imports stay here now and, and the and uh yes yeah, we live above a butcher shop and we get deals with on the meat and, and you know it's a huge place and there's everything they need here and it's close to the park so uh it's a pretty That's sweet funny. deal but I, I do i can imagine what maybe you went through in germany there because typically it's it's you know it's not the the nicest apartment it's pretty small it's it's just a place you sleep and you just try to get out as much as possible and yeah, and uh, and that was kind of exactly the, the case. It wasn't uh, it wasn't anything incredible there, but it got the job done. Everything I needed was provided, but it wasn't nearly the the lifestyle that I was provided in uh, in Holland. Okay, well, let's touch base then on the uh, the comment you left on my on my website about um, you know on the post about top five reasons why baseball players in, uh, you know importing to Europe go home early. And you mentioned something, the number one thing you thought would be, would be boredom. So it sounds yeah. like you came up from a place where maybe, uh, you know, it wasn't quite as, as boring as it would be in a smaller apartment in Germany or something like that. But uh, I think, you know, pretty much wherever you go, you're going to probably ha- have to struggle with that a little bit and find some ways to keep yourself entertained. So maybe can you talk about a little bit about your experience with that? Yeah, so, you know, I came out, you know, with uh – to Europe, you know, with the idea of, you know, I'm going to travel everywhere I can, I'm going to take advantage of this. And, um, but, you know, at the same time, you don't, you don't think you'll be doing a lot of it alone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's something, depending on if you have a teammate or not that's foreign, it really depends and kind of what your duties are assigned from the team. But I'll tell you this, you're going to have a lot of downtime. Mm-hmm. And I know you know about that, but a lot, a lot of downtime. Yeah. And that's, you, you really have to occupy that with, with traveling, going to the gym, um, getting out of the house and my biggest thing, and I, I wrote that on there was, uh, was making friends outside baseball. Yeah. And that's obviously not the easiest thing, but 
being a foreigner out there, trust me, it's much easier than being just a regular person. So, yeah. um, really big friends outside baseball has changed my life in terms of my experience out there. But, uh, I, I think realistically the biggest issue is you're, you're playing baseball with a lot of people that might be older than you, you know, that are doing this just for fun. Um, and a lot are probably going to be younger than you that are doing this while they're in school. So these people are, you have two spectrums. You have the working guy with his family yeah. who's going to be working all day who can't hang out with you. When you, when you talk to them about coming to play baseball out there, you think that you're going to hang out with this person all the time, you know, yeah. it's just not the case. And same with the kids. They're going to have more time for you and they're going to want to take you out and show you around. But with that being said, they have school, they have, they have their families, they have priorities, they have girlfriends. So making that adjustment to, Hey, like I'm going to be alone a lot. Whether there's another American or not, you're going to be in your apartment a lot. Um, hanging out, you have to get out of that. You have to be active. And it's not saying going being a drunk every day, but it is going and being very social and, and yeah. you know, really as outgoing as you can. And that was the biggest surprise was how much downtime I've had. Yeah. And uh, so that, that was probably the toughest thing I've had every year. Every year I have that. At some point you're like, I am homesick. But you know what? It's getting through it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's still, you know, if you just get past that part, it's the best experience you'll ever have. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I, I think a lot of it depends on the life cycle of the team when you arrive there. Like it, I know, for example, with the, the Hattening Athletics in Austria here, um, when I came around, or maybe a little bit after me, was the perfect time to be playing there as far as um, having having people to hang out with after the game or, or on the off days, because they were all in their early to mid-20s, and they weren't, you know, they weren't married with children, or they weren't... Uh, you know, they were finished with their schooling and everything like that. So it was kind of a, a perfect a perfect age group. And I think that's something to consider when you're going somewhere is you kind of look at the, the spectrum of the ages and, and try to see, okay, there's not a lot of guys in my age group, so I'm going to have to, you know, you know, prepare myself for, for what it's going to be like. And I think that's a point that I never really thought of of presenting on, on my website before or on the podcast but but that kind of that's that's true that's happening right now with our club in austria there's a lot of guys that are about 18 19 years old on the team 20 and then there's guys like myself that are plus 30 and uh and there's nothing in the middle and i know our australian import uh yeah he had kind of difficulty last year finding his way because he's 26 years old and he was kind of stuck in the middle and so you kind of you kind of have to entertain yourself sometimes you're right uh and another another direction i wanted to go with this too is is coming out of college uh where basically you're told what to do and when to do it and you're on a, a you know a strict program and then uh, i don't know what it's like in holland maybe with it's a little more professional and there's someone kind of there telling you what to do most of the time but i know for example with our club in austria we you know you come over here and you're kind of responsible for yourself as a professional and keeping yourself in shape and uh, did you find any struggle with that did you find like okay i need to get off the couch and make myself do something 100 percent. i actually liked it that you put that in there because there is really no routines that you're given i mean it is even holland it is I mean, you may practice or be playing a little bit more often than, than in other countries, but 100% as for no one has ever given me any routines on what I need to do, um, no you know, workouts, you know, nothing. Um, so I, uh, I really have never had any structure in terms of anything outside that I would know. So I would always do everything on my own. You know, try to do gym four or five days a week, yeah. but there's no structure whatsoever. So that was a big thing. I think having that will, will also help uh, – 
help people quite a bit because it just it doesn't exist out here because everybody like I said you know like you just said you know has families you know they're doing their own thing you know the president of the club has a job somewhere else too yeah so um yeah you need structure and I think that's that's a great point that you're making uh that's something that you're going to just have to be disciplined on your own it's just it has to happen otherwise you are going to be bored to death and and you're going to fall out of game shape if you're not on top of it, and then you might be sent back, and or you might not be invited back the next year, and that could be the end of your European career or, or, or career yeah, in general. I that especially in Holland with getting out of game shape, um, guys, not you know just not following through, or even in a in Germany, guys just not doing the work they need to do, lost you know their their edge that they had and have been released. Um, and I don't know how often that happens in other countries. I don't know, but. And Holland, you know, I just know it's somewhat cutthroat, yeah. and uh, you got you got to perform. So being proactive on you know you know, hitting, fielding, whatnot um, is definitely something that you have to do. You have to do. So okay, um, just to wrap up the Holland, and then we'll we'll get into Germany a little bit, and then uh, we'll call her a day before uh, I take up too much of your time here. Um, if 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 uh, somebody did happen to sign on in the, in the next year or two uh, in, in in Holland, uh, and I'm talking off the field. What in, let's say or let's say somebody's playing in Germany somewhere and they want to make a little trip up to to the Netherlands. What what and they have about two or three days. What are some of the must sees or, or something that they have to do when they're when they're up there? Well, I know this is kind of kind of answering it, but kind of not. If you have a chance to choose when you can go to Holland, you want to go on King's Queen's Day. King's or Queen's Day. It's now King's Day. just changed, yeah. which is towards the end of April. It's where everybody dresses orange. Everybody hits the streets. There's Queen's Night, which is the night before, but Queen's Day is the Queen's birthday. Yeah. Um, and it's the day everybody has off in Holland. Nobody works. Everybody wears orange, and everybody just hits the streets. And it is a crazy, crazy party like you've never seen before. Yeah. It's like... Uh, New Year's in the States, but, but patriotic about your country. Um, so everybody's wearing orange. That's the first thing I would say definitely go. Um, but I know that's kind of curtailed to when you can go. Um, also Amsterdam, you know, everybody's going to say, you know, you got to go to the red light district. You got to, you got to see it. You you just, it's an experience. It's not going to be as bad as you expect. Um, you know, get mugged, you know, walking down the street. Maybe if you walk at the wrong time of the night, maybe, but, um, but you got to see it. And, uh, you know, there's a ton of parks there right around the city. If you go during the summer, everybody's out in the parks, just sitting, lounging, drinking beers, having fun. Um, extremely friendly city. Fantastic. And, uh, third off, I may get some crap for this, but is, uh, you know, what Holland is famous for is those, those tulips. I know most guys, but no, I don't want to go see this tulip field. It is really <laughs> football fields and football fields and football fields of different colors of rows of tulips. I think it's called Coca or some interesting name. I can't really pronounce yeah. But I've been there, and it's absolutely crazy. And I know you're probably going to be like, no, there's no way I'm going to go look at this tulip field. But, but trust me, it's incredible. You, can, <laughs> you don't want to do that. You can go to one of the, the breweries instead, the Heineken Brewing Factory. Maybe I'll, like I'll take half hour of my day to check out the tulips on the way to the brewery. <laughs> and then get out of there. But trust me, it's, it's an incredible sight to see. Yeah. Or if you've got a girlfriend, bring her with you and take her to the tulips. <laughs> the girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay, let's move on to, to Germany because I know that was actually when you first entered or took your career over to Europe, you started off in Germany and then you, you made your way to Holland and uh, that's where you've been ever since. Uh, so, And that came about through your contacts in Holland. Uh, yeah. And uh, so maybe uh, – so 
you you had a few options though, so maybe you can take us just through that time and your thought process and how you ended up with Cologne. Um, so I I kind of touched base on earlier. I kind of did like a little recruiting trip. My mom works for the airlines, so I flew out really cheap, and I wanted to kind of get a feeling of where I wanted to play. And I ended up going to Valencia. Um, that was one of the first teams that uh, that offered me, and so I, I went there. And Valencia is absolutely beautiful, and I, I met a few of the guys. But when I went to, uh, I flew from there to Cologne, and I, uh, I really kind of wanted to meet meet the team, see what I'd be dealing with on a daily basis, um, see the team, see the field, and I got a really, really good feeling from them. And that was a contact that I had from ASU that kind of originally sent me in that direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I met with them, and I just had an unbelievable experience. And that's really kind of, you know, I went to a few other cities too after that, and it just nothing you know, nothing really, uh, you know, caught my eye like, like it did there. And the city was fantastic. Um, really cool city, big city. Um, but that's really the reason why I ended up going to Germany was just because of the people that I met. And I was lucky enough to have that opportunity to, to see, you know, who's going to, who's going to be my teammates and whatnot. Um, but that's kind of, uh, you know, why I, why I chose them. Um, so, as for, you know, like the, the organizational aspect of it, you know, the, the German baseball league, has its uh, has its good, has its bad, but Cologne's kind of on the lower tier, if you want to say, of uh, German baseball. Um, when I went there, actually, we were in the second league. Yeah. Um, I didn't go there for the baseball. I went there for that experience, and we were just absolutely cruising through teams because they just got demoted that season. Yeah. And I went there into the second league, and I was playing, uh, I like to say, JV baseball at that point yeah. um, when I went in there. And I, I think... I felt like I was hitting really bad, and I think I was hitting, you know, well over 500 and, you know, eight games. I think I had, like, I don't even know the stats, but um, it was it was really, really easy, and uh, that's kind of where that Dutch opportunity came from there. But the organization part of it, the club was pretty organized. Everybody was really friendly. I loved the fact that after the games, people would bring beer on the field, and we would drink beer on the field while we were cleaning up the field. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like I was, uh, you know, A-Rod there, you know, with the way that people treated me. Yeah. Uh, you know, Fans. I mean, there, you know, there's only you know maybe a couple hundred fans on a good day, but you know what? When you're there, you know, I mean, you can hear yourself when you go up to hit. Oh, that's the American guy, whatever. You know. Yeah. No, for it's, sure, it's like that. That's that is the one kind of cool thing about playing on in some of these countries, uh, like second division Germany or first division Austria. Yeah, or second division Austria even is. Uh, yeah, you, you're you know. You're a hot commodity when you're there, and a lot of people just want to get to know you, and everybody's your friend, and it's pretty cool, you know. And that's a pretty cool experience if you haven't really had that before. And uh, so, yeah, I, I totally, when you tell me that story, it kind of brings me back to when I first came. Now I'm just, you know, regular old Dave, and, and you know, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't sure get that much attention that. anymore, but I still, you know, a lot of the little kids come up and get me to sign autographs and stuff. And that's always it's a cool so feeling, you know. So. So funny, and I, I've never had that experience because I've always been more of you know like a contact guy, an average guy, a doubles guy, and uh, never had that you know being intentionally walked. Um, you know, it just it, it's pretty cool feeling. It kind of makes you feel like what it, what it would be like to be a star somewhere, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was very very cool. Uh, and we we had another uh, import on the team, and he was actually a lefty, kind of the same kind of hitter as me. And uh, it was just funny playing in that league, you know, just. Getting treated like royalty, you know, and yeah. royalty, and you know, in you know, relative perspective, big big fish, small pond. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of similar in Belgium, same kind of feeling. That's what was fun about it. Yeah. 
No, I, I agree. There's those little little extras too, you know. Sometimes, like yeah. you know, you go to the sponsor if it's a restaurant or something, and you're eating for free and things like that. Oh, yeah. But they kind of when you come in, like oh, it's the, the American guy, especially if it's in a small, you know, small town like in Atnang here, then you you really stand out like a sore thumb, and you and you get a lot of get a lot of attention, and it's a lot of fun. So you can that's that's one of the perks of going to a one of the lower level leagues or or a smaller town or something like that. I think with that, I didn't really touch base on it. Is comes a little bit of pressure, and I don't know what it was like playing in your league. But um, I remember when I would get out, like I felt bad, and I felt <laughs> people disappointed. Yeah, um, and I, I felt that a little bit in Holland, but more of a different pressure, like my jobs on the line, and yeah. and and in more uh, more so in Germany and Belgium, it was more like, oh man, I can't believe Austin got out. You know, I can't believe he got out, and that sucks. You know, we're in trouble now. You know, that was a different feeling. So, <laughs> well, I think it's more like because they rely so much on on your production uh, in those leagues that when you don't come through those five or five times out of ten, then uh, you know they're 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 really let down. Yeah, you could almost hear them go, "Oh," <laughs> in the in, you yeah, know the crowd. Really, it's funny. Yeah. And how about when the other team catches the ball when you get out? Yeah. They're they're excited too. They're pretty darn excited. Yeah, they are. It's kind of funny. It's something you've you've never really experienced before. And I'll tell you yeah. something funny about my my first at bat in, in Europe in Austria. Here, it was a ways back. It was back when in '99, and and the Athletics were in the second division, trying to get promoted to the first league for the first time. And that was kind of my my job to help them do that. And my first at bat, I hit a home run. And wow. Probably the worst thing I could have done <laughs> because <laughs> I got I got off the plane the night before, uh, the day before, and then they took me out pretty late. I'd say four or five in the morning the night before, and then we had a game the next day, which was kind of new to me. And uh, at that time, the games were at eleven, so I was dead tired. And I hit a home run, uh, and then after that, I, I think I went over the rest of the day. And it was just pop up after pop up, and I was just exhausted, you know. And and uh, you know, but the funny thing was, my second at bat, you can hear the the announcer saying, and the bases were loaded. You could hear him saying, "Grand slam, grand slam." He's he's yelling it in the microphone, like basically saying, "I'm about to hit a grand slam right now." And, and you know, of course, I choked under the pressure, and and. Uh, you know, so it's, it is. There is an element of pressure when you go to these smaller teams or these smaller leagues, and, and there is an element of pressure. I've, I've heard that, that too. When I was going up to hit, I'm like, "Why would you say that? Yeah. Why would you see home run or grand slam right now? Why?" <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> so funny. It's a good way to start your career. Congrats on that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was a good way to get them all excited and then let them down right now. But <laughs> no, it was all good. I made up for it in the end. So yeah. Um, yeah, so you had a, kind of an interesting story there, but I, I before we get into that, why don't you just take us about the the little bit of time you did spend with Cologne, and then what happened partway through the season? Uh, what was the German league like? How how did you find that competitive wise? Uh, you know, uh, and maybe just speak a little bit about that. So when I was there, I was there early. We did preseason um, preseason since we were in the first league the year before. We were playing against all first league teams. Yep. Um, and we played against Bonn, we played against Zoligan, we played against um, Polheim, who I don't even think is the club anymore, but they were first division. Um, I would say lower Juco, lower Juco. Um, but those teams, Zoligan, definitely good. They're good. They could play in the head class in Holland. Yeah. Um, they, they're good through and through. Uh, Bonn is pretty close to them as well. They're, they're, yeah. they're good teams. They could definitely play in Holland as well. So big, big difference in spectrum. 
some of the teams we played second league were, like I said, maybe high school JV, probably high school, um, just normal high school ball. Um, but, uh, you know, those, those teams, there's some teams in Germany that are absolute studs, you know, those teams can play anywhere. Um, so really it's hard for me to gauge that because there's, there's really bad and there is really good. Yeah. Uh, Maybe, maybe let's just touch base on the amount of importing you saw within the second league. Now, when was this? Was this in 2000? 11. 11, yeah. So were there were most second division German teams importing? No, but you know what? I, I actually was caught, believe it or not, no teams that I played had imports um, in the second league, but I was offered by three teams, so I don't understand why they didn't have second league. said so no one else. No one else had Americans, but I was offered by three German second league teams and a couple first league teams, and no other teams had them. I couldn't believe it. So it, it was... More so, those teams were pretty content on where they were at at the time. Didn't really seem like they had the money to promote, yeah. and they didn't really care too. So the money they weren't putting in towards foreigners yeah. in the second league, at least from what I knew. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, I know the teams that just went down. You know, like Berlin. That was a team I almost went and played for. Yeah. Um, I went, hung, and spent some time with them. They just went down. I know they have imports every year. Yeah. Uh, so I'm assuming there are some. So maybe the top two or three in the second yeah. division category. Perfect. Okay, so let's uh, let's maybe talk a little bit about uh, um, you, the story. So, what happened? How did you end up halfway through the season leaving the Cologne Cardinals, and where'd you go? I'll, I'll try to keep it short. So, um, I was I was doing very well. I think I was leading the league in almost every offensive category in that second second division. Um, and uh, my buddy, actually a former not not really a friend, a former person I played against in college. Um, was playing for UVV, and he had promoted with them from, like, the third league to the second league, the first league, and, and so on, to the head class. And uh, they signed the shortstop, who was uh, Ruben or Curacao-born shortstop, and uh, just wasn't producing. He was making a ton of errors, and they were about a quarter of the way, maybe almost half, eh, a third of the way through the season. Um, and I got a message, like, hey, how are you doing in, in Germany? Are you doing well? And I just was like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty darn well. I'm, I'm really killing it here. And he said, you know what, uh, we, we might have a shot to bring you over. Our shortstop's doing really, really poorly. And uh, so I went out there, and uh, really that was, you know, I was like, hey, can you be here tomorrow to, to do a workout? And I said, sure, yeah. And uh, so I went and snuck over there on a weekday and yeah. just going to visit my friend in Holland. Yeah. Um, and worked out for the team, did extremely well in the workout. Um, went to a game with them that day. Yeah. And you know what, uh, by the end of the weekend, they had already – Talked to my club. My club did not want to give me up um, just because I was doing well and they invested a lot in me, which I completely understand. Yeah. Um, so my, my uh, well, UVV offered to pay for everything that the club had already paid for me and pay for my, my rent for my apartment for the remainder of the, the time I was supposed to be there. So I think they paid, you know, right, right around maybe a little bit above 2,000 euros mm-hmm. from UVV, the Dutch league, to the German league team. Yeah, and so uh, we were already killing everybody in that league. It was more so that they wanted to promote. There was already American on the team as well in Germany, so it looked like it was going to happen pretty easily. Yeah, and so I kind of felt more comfortable leaving, knowing that they were going to be okay. Yeah, um, but yeah, so it was a weird thing. I've actually never heard of that happening in Europe. Um, someone transferring like that and having to pay a ton of money or whatnot like for European baseball standards. That was a ton of money. I was blown away that for that sure. happened. Yeah. That's, that's pretty flattering too. <laughs> so I think I was worth 2000 euros, but, uh, <laughs> so what, what time of year was that? Because, uh, I'm trying to get an idea of, of a lot of these guys that are just coming out of college and if they could afford a flight over to Europe and maybe did what you did, maybe just kind of travel around and meet some of the teams. 
maybe they could get picked up because there are a lot of teams that are kind of in that transition period, you know, partway through the season where they, okay, let's make a run for it or, or this guy didn't work out. So we need somebody. And if you're already over here, that's huge. I think makes it a lot easier. You're right. Um, I've seen that as for your, you know, your walk on section guys that are willing to, you know, kind of make jump on their own just to get that shot. Um, I would say UVV was probably 15 games into it, maybe 20, 15 to 20. Um, it's a little less than half. And it was, that was like what, what month? it was the end of May. So it was the very end of May, and I started like the first couple of days of June. I don't remember the exact dates, but um, that's when I hopped in, and that's when uh, you know I started playing for them. So I was only you know eight or ten games in the season for uh, Cologne, maybe eight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if you get out there, you know, it really helps the teams. You know that that, that don't have the money to maybe pay for your ticket, or they're on, or they're weary of it. You know, they don't know much about you. They don't have a guy like you to you know do all the interviewing process for them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be huge, you know, coming out of that time. If you can hop around and get in contact with some teams and, you know, you're, they're kind of on the fence, I think it's a great opportunity to come work out. And I think if you're here, it would happen. I, yeah, I do think so, too. It, of course, a lot depends on your background and your abilities. But, I mean, if, if you can afford that, the, the worst-case scenario, the way I look at it, is you, you get to see some of Europe and maybe practice with a few teams and maybe build something for next year. But, um, but I definitely think there's a lot of teams that are kind of looking to pick up the, that guy at the last minute. And, and, uh, so, um, uh, maybe, uh, yeah, I want to wrap it up here, but I do have a couple more questions. If you have a few more minutes, um, yeah, I got time. Go ahead. Um, can we talk compensation a little bit between UVV? Like you don't have to go into exact numbers, but I mean, it's, it's okay. All right. In, in Cologne and in UVV, maybe start with Cologne. Um, so Cologne, uh, when I kind of did that tour actually was the lowest paying club of all the, like I said, I just had a good experience there. So, um, Cologne is kind of on par with what you can expect. I think from some of the lower leagues in, um, in Germany, or not Germany, but in, uh, in Europe, yeah. um, it was actually really, really, it was, I, I, I still laugh about this, but it was, it's, it's really, you can live off this. It's just, you, you got to just take everything into perspective. So, um, I only got paid 250 euros a month in Cologne. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it wasn't a lot. You know, if you do the math, it's maybe eight to ten, eight euros a day, something like that. It, was, it wasn't very much, but you know, they gave us other work options to make money. Um, so I think realistically, you're looking at maybe three thirty, three forty a month tops. Yeah. Plus, a um, lot of them are inviting you over for dinner and picking up your yeah. beer at the bar or wherever you are or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you have a host family, which most people don't want to have a host family, but at the same time, it'll save you a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, and I think host families are very cool because it kind of gives you, you know, a sense of, you know, a family and yeah. it's, 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 a, I, I didn't have it, but I, my, my roommate or my buddy did my teammate out there. So I was over there every day. It was like, it was my family. Yeah. Um, and, uh, in Holland, it was a, a little bit of a raise. Yeah. Um, uh, I, uh, my first year I was making a thousand euros a month. Nice. I, uh, my second year, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went from two fifty to a thousand, and then um, my second year was the same, a thousand, but it was with other things. I, I basically I had, I had other jobs I could be doing, yeah. and I was doing batting lessons on my own, so I was probably more between thirteen to sixteen hundred a month. Yeah, um, and, uh, and this is, past, these are euros, right, or or, or U.S. dollars? Sorry, was, yeah. Okay. Um, but I think realistically, average in the Dutch league, I think you're like if you're if you make it to the Dutch league, you're eight hundred to a thousand a month. That's kind of the average. Yeah. Uh, that low end being seven fifty eight hundred. Um, that's the lowest I heard of yeah. for a foreigner. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my, last year it was, 
I'd say about twelve hundred uh, total. But that was a weird scenario with the visa situations. I was getting paid yeah. um, by by both my Dutch team and my Belgian team. I see. Okay, and and maybe your duties then, uh, because sometimes that comes along with more duties. I know for sure in Cologne you were working with the the kids probably, um, but are, are you doing the same thing in, in UVB? Um, you know what UVB had this year they kind of implemented it, um, but I like I said I was kind of a part of the club this year, kind of not. So yeah. I was playing it. I was living in the apartment they provided, get, driving the car they provided, but I was playing in Antwerp. Um, so I was still co there, but this year was the first year they really implemented. So Chris was actually coaching um, two days a week. Yeah. Um, and that's part of his, he got paid for that as well. I see. I think, I think you can expect, you know, to kind of, that would be part of your pay as well. So he was doing that, I think on Mondays and Wednesdays and then practice Tuesday, Thursdays, that kind of thing. So he was busy pretty much every day, but I never really had that. I had that in Germany, like you said. Um, I was basically helping with the, the union, uh, I think that just means the union team. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was helping coaching that with the other Americans. So that's kind of expected. Yeah. Perfect. So do you have a, one last tip for anybody uh, looking to try to make their way into the Dutch Major League, even if it isn't directly into it, uh, maybe kind of an indirect way you are? Do you have one last kind of tip? Because I know there are a number of guys. That's their goal, especially when they first come to my website and they're – yeah, they're shooting. They're 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 you know they're shooting high. Uh, maybe they don't have an idea of how difficult it is, and it's getting more difficult from the sounds of it. But do you have any yeah. tip of how they can go about it? Yeah, I, I do. You know what the thing is is it's not it's not easy to get there right away, and I I don't think I was qualified to get there um, right off the bat. I don't know if I was qualified to get there because I didn't play minor league baseball. Yeah. Um, but I got there and I did well enough to stay. Um, I uh, I think realistically you got to kind of. You got you got to realize that unless you're a former Double A guy, you know you killed in the minor leagues for whatever reason you didn't make it. You're probably not going to get signed straight in there. It's just not going to happen. So you got to go to another league, kind of like what I did. You kind of swallow your pride, or you go there for the experience and you just do really, really well. If you succeed in a high European level, even though I didn't really, I'm not. Don't count me. But if you do, yeah, um, that, that's your shot. I mean, I know guys, you know that are that are that are Canadian guys and Australian guys that are talking with Dutch league teams because they played in Zoligan. Um, they played in Regensburg. Um, Chris came from a, uh, Rouen, uh, the European, you know, cup French team. Yeah. Um, that's what it takes. It takes playing at the top level and that's kind of how you get circulated through the system. Um, just because I, I mean, I, I played at a, a high level in Holland and I get contacted by European cup and Dutch or not Dutch teams, but high European teams all the time just because of that. Yeah. So I think if you just get to one of those teams or even get to a league that has a decent team that will let you play. Yeah. Um, you do well. That's all it takes. You just have to be patient and understand that it just doesn't – it's not that easy. It, it realistically, it get, you have to be someone to get right into those teams. Yeah. And uh, like I, I was in second league Germany. It, so it's just – Yeah, it's and you of, made your way from second league Germany straight into the, the Dutch major league. So that's a pretty good <laughs> indication of you get your foot in the European door period and you put up some numbers. It could open some doors for you. So. Uh, because it's what what'll happen is you'll end up marrying a European girl and you'll end up saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder who that happens to. <laughs> here. Yeah. I have mine here from the Netherlands. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah <laughs> good, good for you. So, um, yeah, one last thing. Yeah. How, how much – I know that you're actually like you're a shortstop, but you, you pitch as well. Do you think that 
played a role in in your popularity among all the the clubs in that first year you were trying to get over as far as the fact that okay you have a lot to offer you can play shortstop you can pitch you're you're a utility guy i think for uh for lower league like lower european level teams yes i think that plays a huge difference because it's basically they get two for the price of one yeah um i think that's why it's uh it's a big deal um to be able to pitch but i think at the higher levels it's not going to matter yeah. Um, cause I think they're bringing in both anyway. Yeah. I think they're bringing in a pitcher and a, uh, and an infielder as well. Yeah. So I realistically being able to pitch in the beginning is really important. Yeah. Um, at the lower levels, that's what I think. But I, at the higher levels, I don't think it's really going to make a big difference cause I didn't really pitch at all in Holland. Yeah. I, I pitched one inning. So I was surprised um, to hear that you, or to read that you were pitching as well, because become, given your background, usually like that's more of a. Uh, you know, a resume of a, a D3 player or something like that where they had to do more than one thing. But um, So, yeah, last thing. What's in store for, for you for 2014? What's your, what's your plan? Uh, I feel bad saying this, but I, it looks like I'm going to – it just kills me to say it, but I think I'm, I'm going to shut it down. Yeah. Um, not because I don't want to play. I just I got a really, really, really good job here um, that I was just lucky to get. Um, so I, I, the funny thing is I just got offered by a uh, European Cup uh, Spanish team in, in Barcelona. Oh, and I was, wow. it just, just kills me. just kills me to say I'm probably not doing it. Um, well, I can go in your place I, if you need me to. Just let me know. What's that? I'll go in your place if, if they need, if they need <laughs> somebody. <laughs> it just kills me. Um, but no, it looks like I'm going to stay um, back in Phoenix. I mean, unless something, something changes. But I think uh, I, I did my three years and I'm – I'm going to shut it down. I, I, it kills me to say it, but I, I think that's going to happen. Yeah, that's tough, especially when you have a, a, a Barcelona offer on the, on the table. But, yeah. but sometimes you've got to make those tough decisions, and, and you had yeah. your fun. And perfect. Thanks, Austin, for your time, and hopefully uh, we can stay in touch. And, uh, you know. Yeah, I hope this helps anybody, and uh, feel free to ask me any, any other questions you need, and I appreciate the time. Perfect. Thanks, Austin. Take care. All right, take care. See you. Yeah. Powered by Middle Punk Media, your sports marketing agency. We put sports center stage. Well, that ends another great episode of the International Baseball Community Podcast. I want to thank Austin for taking the time out of his day to uh, share all that excellent information with us. And I also want to thank uh, the podcast sponsor, Middle Punk Media. Uh, the website is Mittel Punkt, which is M-I-T-T-E-L-P-U-N-K-T hyphen media dot D-E. They're based out of Germany. And uh, some of you may have noticed that I've moved the podcast over to SoundCloud from iTunes. Uh, there's a little reason behind that is is for some reason it got kicked off of iTunes uh, by accident. I'm not sure, some kind of mistake I made or or technical issue. Uh, but I like SoundCloud, so if you uh, if you want to listen to any of the other episodes, head, o- head over to SoundCloud.com uh, and search for IBC Podcast, or you can go through the website at uh, InternationalBaseballCommunity.com or Baseball Jobs Overseas, and you can connect that way. And you can listen to all of them. You can download it to your computer. You can uh, therefore upload it onto your uh, onto your iPhone and listen to it when you're at the gym or on the bus or whatever. 
and uh, please share it. Uh, that'd be great if you can share it or like it, uh, or there's even a, a place where you can you can comment. And I'd love to hear your comments and get some of your feedback, positive or constructive criticism is also welcome. So uh, yeah, just get engaged. I'd like to hear what you have to say, and also if you're interested on. Uh, in being on the podcast or you know somebody that has an interesting international baseball story or could provide some great information about maybe uh, you know a, a country or a baseball club that we haven't talked about on the podcast then I'd love to hear from you so uh, you could always email me at the international baseball community uh, at gmail.com uh, that's it for today thanks for listening and until next time episode number 20 should be coming up around the corner take care everybody